0: Ingram Smith, but I lay it back again for another episode of the NoCast. Uh, as always, we will thank our friends at New Iberia, Louisiana, Louisiana Hot Sauce. Three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. Been with us since day one and forever. Uh, make the NoCast possible and provide a, a great amount of leadership in doing so. So thanks to them. A little bit of a different situation tonight. Bringing in a uh, a fan of the show, a longtime listener of the NoCast. Uh, Dan Corso is the president of the Atlanta Sports Council. Uh, the Atlanta Sports Council has uh, managed and put on such events as the men's and women's Final Four, the MLB, the NHL, the NBA All-Star Game, WrestleMania, uh, the college football playoffs in 2018, the Super Bowl in 2019, and we're set uh, to put on and host the Final Four here in 2020. So, uh, Dan, really look forward to your insight. think you can give our audience uh, a great ideas to kind of a look behind the scenes uh, and what it kind of how what happens and the ramifications of some of this uh, sporting events getting canceled and uh, just appreciate your time and, and look forward to your insight tonight hey
1: guys uh, thanks for having me on um, big fan of someone on myself graduate of 1990 and uh, been a listener of yours and the show for many many years so it's really cool uh, to be on with you guys and uh, yeah let's have a good conversation it's not the happiest of times, obviously. What's going on in the world, um, but it certainly has its impact on the on the sports community, and I can speak to uh, to the Atlanta perspective uh, a little bit more specifically in my role as head of the Atlanta Sports Council. But yeah, we're we're coming out from underneath the aftermath of the Final Four cancellation. So if you guys want to start there,
0: I'm happy to. As the uh, governing body that was set to host the event, is there any chance that we could get you to? Uh Maybe just declare Florida State the 2020 champions as is, and and move on to more important things.
1: Uh, yeah, that's already done. That and the effort to try to get it back automatically as a do-over year. That's where the same conversation was had with the NCAA. So, uh, go ahead and raise the banner, have a parade. Uh, we'll go UCF style, um, and uh, just go ahead and declare it. The best answer I've heard. Absolutely. So, Dan, I
2: I want to take you back to uh, to Wednesday the fourth, right? Which was the night that the NBA. Uh, They got a couple of their games in, I believe, and then we we had that Denver Nuggets game where the teams warmed up and they they pulled them off the floor and then kind of the sports world really changed forever. Were were you watching sports that night? Were were you aware of what was going on? Uh, And like, how did you find out about that? And what were your initial thoughts as it related, obviously, to the Final Four when you saw the NBA pull those guys off, off the floor?
1: Yeah, it was very surreal and it kind of moved so quickly. Um, and you know, specific to that, I think everything that pushed it all forward was Rudy Gobert, you know, being announced, you know, as a, as a having coronavirus. I think that kind of set everything in motion, but you know, we were multiple weeks out from planning our, our fifth final four here in Atlanta. And, you know, I, I got to tell you this, we talk about it, you know, being held, you know, this weekend if it were to be played. But we this goes back to 2014, Bud and Ingham to tell you how far out in advance you kind of, you know, work on these big events in, in major cities. And we won the, the right to host the event in 2014 and started working on planning uh, for the event shortly thereafter. And, of course, about two years out, we really started ramping it up by hiring a lot of staff and, you know, securing venues and just developing our budget. But when all of that went down and you, you kind of saw where it was going, it's very surreal, uh, and I can I can give some insight as to you know how we found out about you know our portion of the tournament. But at the end of the day, you know, everyone talks about Atlanta and, and and not being able to host the final four. But there were 14 cities that were getting ready to put on the tournament from the first tip to the last tip. You know, including Dayton with the first four to Atlanta with the final four. So that affected a lot of us. There's a lot of calls in between the cities to kind of figure out how. Everyone's kind of dealing with it and what's what's their process going forward? What are they hearing? You know, because there was a lot of discussion out there as to what's gonna happen to the tournament. Will it actually happen? And then, you know, that, that phone call that we received uh, about thirty minutes before it going national that they were gonna go ahead and just cancel the whole thing was it was a gut punch. How much
2: involvement did you have in the discussion or or was that really more of a unilateral thing uh, that the NCAA just said hey, like, hey, we're canceling. Or, or, or was, that, was there a back and forth with you or, or how did that go down?
1: It's a good question. It really, I mean, it's it comes to their governing body. I mean, they're, they're going to decide what to do. And if you notice, they also decided to cancel, obviously, all of the spring and winter sports as well, all the championships. So they just kind of cut them all. Uh, uh, and, you know, we have been talking with them, uh, the NCAA and, and Dan Gavitt and their team on the men's basketball side about. You know, okay. What are some of the options here? What are some of the contingencies that we could potentially do? Because if you remember, it was that Wednesday when they said they were going to play the tournament, but they were going to do it without fans. Okay, so let's go forward with that. So we started thinking, all right. Well, we don't need Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, if we're going to not have any fans. So quickly engage State Farm Arena, which is where our Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks, play, and. Said that, you know, this could work. We were already planning on hosting the D2 and the D3 championships at State Farm Arena on Final Four Sunday in between the Saturday and the Monday event. So, you know, we had that that venue and it uh, seemed like a good option. And then that was the day that I think Gobert actually got announced. And so that that's what pushed it to that Thursday and the next day when they just canceled it all together. So, you know, there was some discussion. Uh, and Dan Gavitt's been on record, to, and you can find this, but he's been on record talking about some of the early discussion uh, before they had decided to cancel tournament altogether. They were looking at an alternate format, and thankfully that included us in Atlanta to be the one city. They were looking at a 16-team tournament uh, held over five days, mon- uh, Thursday through Monday. All of the teams would be at-large picks and have it inside uh, State Farm Arena uh, in Atlanta uh, in a real safe and, you know, controlled environment. But it never really got anywhere past their committee discussion. It didn't get approved, obviously. And so the final vote was to cancel everything. And, and so now we spent the last two and a week, two and a half weeks just kind of coming out from under and there's some budget uh, and, and agreement modifications that we have to do and work through with the NCAA, but we're in the process of doing that right now.
0: Obviously... Um you know, when when we talk about this, we're not looking past the coronavirus or, or trying to make light of it or anything else. When we talk about the the economic impact of stuff like this, it's uh, it's just a byproduct of and, and not an attempt at us to minimize or, or place priorities uh, as as far as what's uh, what's more important. But um, I think you bring up a good point, Dan, where we're, we're obviously going to focus on the final four, but really the uh, you know the. Ancillary impact of all this, where you have all these other smaller uh, towns and, and municipalities that are planning on hosting a, a region, or um, you know, some point in the process of the tournament, and uh, how quickly all this stuff starts to to stack up. And you know, we're kind of getting in the time period where I feel the general populace is accepting the current loss of sports and starting to very much change their perspective as to future loss of sports. Um, and it's going to be a fascinating conversation that plays out and how dependent these schools are uh and tied to their you know their football budgets and their TV contracts but uh can you just give us any kind of ideas to what happens uh, when you have to cancel an event like that when when you're looking at how many hourly employees don't uh, receive a paycheck how many uh hotel rooms don't end up getting patronized uh, obviously you don't have an exact number in front of you but uh just how important these things are to economies, uh, whether they be a, a larger scale city like Atlanta or, or a place like Wichita, Kansas?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, Or I think there's a couple ways to look at it. One, you could look macro and say, okay, let's take, uh, for example, Dayton, Ohio. Dayton was scheduled, as you know, to host the, the first four, which is the initial part of the tournament. Well, they don't get to host it, and so having the first four in Dayton, Ohio is a major, major event, right? That's big for them. And so, that's not held. That's a, that's a big impact to them. You know, Atlanta, you know, we were looking at about a hundred million dollar economic impact from hosting the final four throughout the state of Georgia, but we're, we're a large community with, uh, you know, a robust sports and entertainment culture. We've got a, a, over 50 million visitors coming in through conventions. convention. So, you know, we could absorb that loss and, and move forward. So it's not, it, while as bad as it is, it's not like perhaps what Dayton might've felt. But at the end of the day, whether it's Dayton or Atlanta, you still have folks that are working in the service industry, in the hospitality community, at the venues, within the restaurants, in the hotels, anywhere from, you know, uh, the room service guy to the valet to the ticket usher who are out of a job uh, temporarily for that particular event. And so the last number I heard here in Atlanta, unfortunately, is and because of Final Four and other lost conventions in the near futures, we're approaching hundred thousand hundred thousand lost jobs in our uh, hospitality community. So it's it's a pretty deep um, cave that you kind of go down when you start looking at all of these uh, the types of jobs that are either permanent or temporary jobs that are lost. Then you, I think you can drill down and say, okay, well, what does that really mean to the universities on the D one level, or perhaps the conferences? You know, the USA Today came out and published a story shortly after. The cancellation of the tournament that you know indicated that the NCAA was going to be reducing the financial distribution to the D one schools and conferences to two hundred twenty five million. That original number was supposed to be six hundred million, and that result is is from the you know the cancellation of the D one tournament. The D one men's basketball tournament generates almost all of the uh, NCAA's annual. Revenue of about 1.1 billion. Mm-hmm. So when you take that out, you can see how the disbursement and contribution to each schools goes from 600 to 225 million. That's a lot of money, and that's you know the Florida State's one of those schools, and the ACC's one of those conferences. So uh, it's it's on all levels, uh, and we're not. And obviously, you're seeing it in other businesses and other industries and sectors. It's not just sports, but sports is a, one of the top ten industries in the country. So it's important to recognize. All right,
2: Ingram, uh, now here to tell you about Resolution Home Loans with their NOLCAST loan program. Obviously, you guys have heard this message now for several years. We are up to more than 50 NOLCAST listeners who have either had their, their mortgage or their refi through the NOLCAST loan program through Resolution. You can reach them at 844-FSU-LOAN or fsuhomeloans.com. But rates have changed a little bit. They've shifted. I think we had seven or eight NOLCAST listeners get in with that super low rate. Uh, which hey, I'm one of them. I, I guess I count as a listener. Um, but now, look, man, the economy's shifting pretty hard. Rates have shifted uh, not as hard, obviously. Uh, but but times are tough for, for folks out there. And I was talking to Shannon. And he said, "Hey, I, you know, one thing we really don't don't beat the drum on a whole lot on, on the show, but something we may want to try now just to let people know is the ability to to take care of, of, of some high cost debt by accessing the equity in your home." Right, So if you have consumer debt, credit card debt, anything like that, and you have some equity in your home, it might make a whole lot of financial sense for you, especially dur- during these times, to go and use some of the equity in your home at a much lower interest rate than perhaps something that, that is a much higher interest rate. If that interests you, give Shannon the call, 844-FSU-LOAN. Dan, I, I also read that USA Today article, and it, it, the way I read it, it looks like the schools could get additional disbursement uh, once the insurance money comes in. For the NCAA's loss of, of the tournament, I, I'm curious as to how how that works for, for y'all. Are, are y'all insured against a, a, a pandemic as far as as far as that, or are you looking to recover against the NCAA, or, or
1: how how do y'all go about that? Great question, but um, the contract uh, does not include uh, a pandemic. I can guarantee you, the next cycle it uh, <laughs> will include the word pandemic, <laughs> uh, but it does not currently. So, you know, you look at good side, bad side. The bad side is we didn't get to host the event. You know, it would have been, it would have been so great. We've got a, a, just a great, and you guys have been here for the CFP championship a couple of years ago and other events, um, you know, when Florida State played Bama here. You know, we've just got a great, um, downtown that's built to host these events. Everything's compact and contained. You can walk to everything. You know, the venues are first class. The hotels are great. You know, so it's, it's very fan friendly. So, the fact is that you know we we take that out and um you, you know we don't have that event um so you look at okay well what does it cost to put on that event and so we had a budget we had a, uh, a local organizing committee set up of about 11 people that we hired um, as independent contractors to put the event on they were in place for 2 years so you got 2 years of grinding and working and Doing everything you can to help the NCAA uh, put, uh, get the event ready to go. We're honoring everything that I signed within the contract with the NCAA during the bid back in 2014, and our budget to operate the event was just a little over 13 million. Okay, so you say, well, timing is everything. The day that they canceled the tournament, to date, we had spent 4.2 million dollars. Uh, admin costs, some mark- local marketing, production. Uh, costs towards securing 2,000 volunteers and outfitting them—just things that you know we had spent to date. The majority, the rest of our money in that budget was to be spent beginning that Monday, the 16th, with the load-in at the stadium and other venue-related costs that would more likely would not been able to get back if we had, if we had started those processes. So, you know, we were able, but at the time that it was canceled and the timing of the cancellation, we were able to save you know, a majority of our budget that we'll just kind of put that back and, and roll it into the next uh, event that we host here, hopefully uh, a World Cup in the few years. But but I think your question going back to there, there aren't any protectants there um, in partnership with the NCAA. We're not going to ask for uh, any financial contribution, but we are going to talk to them about trying to get into the next uh, rotation, which is 27 through 31 as a duo.
2: All right, Ingram, now we're going to bring a special message from our sponsor, Travis Johnson. Travis Johnson is a board-certified family law attorney with the Metter and Johnson firm over a decade of experience in the field and a certified expert in family law. So here's Travis. He passes along, I hope everyone's staying safe and healthy during this pandemic. Hopefully, the measures being taken across the state and country will limit the scope and duration of the current problems. However, these same measures have already resulted in millions of people being laid off, furloughed, or losing their income with more surely to come. No one knows how long the situation will last, but if you have a child support or alimony obligation, you need to know that the requirement that you pay your support does not automatically change when your circumstances change. It is important to seek a court-ordered modification of your child support or alimony payment as soon as possible, as any reduction can only be made retroactive to the time of the filing, not to the time of the change in your income. Even if you expect only a short-term loss of income, we can help you temporarily reduce your support obligation. Now, Travis also reached out to me and said, hey, bud, obviously, we know times are tough for folks. I want to offer flexible rates and and, and payment options for NOLCAST listeners if they mention my ad on the show. And we'll even do a free initial consult for NOLCAST listeners if if they mention Travis's ad on the show. This is a great opportunity. Obviously, a lot of people have changing situations. Travis is literally one of the top family law attorneys in the state. He has cases all throughout the state, more than a decade of experience. He even teaches the subject. Travis Johnson, a proud supporter of the NOLCAST, willing to work with NOLCAST listeners with his free consult and flexible rate uh, options. If you mention the NOLCAST, you can reach Travis Johnson of the Metter and Johnson Law Firm, 850 435 9919. I was kind of curious here. Obviously, we're having a lot of uh, speculation out there uh, about the college football season. Will it start on time? Will it be played at all? Uh, Pac 12 Commissioner. Uh, today came out and gave a very helpful quote he said the optimistic timeline for us is we'll have a expanded uh fall training camp and the season will start on time and the pessimistic timeline is that we won't have a season at all and i was like all right thanks back 12 i really really appreciate uh, that (laughs) yeah the the error bars on that are are practically unlimited um you guys also have a hand in hosting like the chick-fil-a kickoffs right
1: yeah, we do in Atlanta. It's uh, they're operated by the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, uh, which is a private entity, so they own those events. But yeah, that is a big part of our sports and entertainment here in Atlanta, as it is in other parts of the country.
2: Are, are you hearing anything? Is not as far as hey, they're definitely going to delay it, or they're not going to delay it. But are you hearing anything about contingency plans that that you know of so far? Like, have you heard any word? If they ha- w- are you hearing like hey, they might push the season back, or they would just you know maybe chop off the first couple games? I, because that's something I'm really interested in. If this doesn't get started on time, I'm of the opinion that we're still going to want to try to get in the majority of games because of all these TV contracts, and the schools are really going to need the money, obviously, and the broadcasters are going to need some kind of programming to show because we can only show, you know, the '86 Mets game so many times on ESPN. Have you heard any sort of contingencies or or any kind of discussion up your way? I, I know the 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 Atlanta games would be one of the first have to decide because they are played so early.
1: Yeah, we've got Florida State here, right? Versus West Virginia. So no, I haven't heard anything yet. Um, Not to say that there hadn't been discussions going on, but it's a good question. I think one way to look at it is look at the back end of the entire college football season and back up. Go to the college football playoff national championship game. And, you know, they set those dates for a reason where they do that they can't go any later because then it impedes on the NFL playoffs. And so there's really, in my opinion, no place to go any later. So your question of when do you start the college football season and how many games do you get in, I think really relates to, well, how much time do you really need of the season to have uh, the, the two semifinal games where they're supposed to be played on the date and the college football championship game on its date? You know what I mean? And then back it up from there, because I don't think you can move those dates, you know, those are. Locked in with venues and hotel contracts are locked. And, and that would be a lot more difficult to move those three games, the two semifinals and the championship game, later in the calendar in 21. Uh, and I think that would have a lot to bear on on what they do with the season. The
2: only way I could see this, this working, and I, and I kind of want to bounce this off you, is if they were to back up the NFL season, then in concert with that, you could potentially move back college football, but I, I don't really see that happening either.
1: I think it's too early. I think we got to get to June as is kind of a new mandate. And I think, cause now you've got, look, the masters here is talking about going to October. Uh, you got Wimbledon canceling for the first time ever. The U S open uh, and golf has moved back. Uh, there's work coming out at some point in time this week on the tour championship here in Atlanta. So I think everything is looking to push back. I just don't know what you would do with the calendar. Um, you know, when you're trying to cram all of these in. And the other one to talk about we haven't even discussed is what's going to happen to MLB All-Star Game uh, this July in Los Angeles. You know, we've got that set up here in Atlanta in 2021 at um, Truist Park at the Battery. Uh, but if baseball doesn't start this season until June, can they have an All-Star Game in July? I don't think so. They push that back. Uh, then, you know, who, who knows what happens to the calendar?
2: Yeah, so I, I, was, I was looking uh, today um at, at some odds in some offshore sports books as far as like when will will uh games actually start uh and the odds that baseball starts in uh like any time before June they're like astronomical ba- basically like, like the the mar- the betting markets are saying no chance and it like they actually are favoring early early July as as a baseball start uh date which was that's basically you're talking half season only because in baseball as a sport, you can't push back.
1: No, but I heard that they're looking at pushing it back into November, potentially.
2: What happens then if you get, let's say, Boston and Minnesota, at, Or well, they're both American League clubs, but like, let's say you have Minnesota and, I don't know, the Mets as, as your two World Series teams. I mean, how many, like, right, yeah. <laughs> like, that Thanksgiving World Series is, uh, you, you better hope it's Astros and Dodgers. Basically, some uh, valuable TV content to throw out there during the holidays. So yeah. if you got the,
0: if you got the World Series to throw throw out on Thanksgiving Day. That's uh, that wouldn't be the worst thing. Okay,
1: hey, Masters in, uh, in October, uh, in the fall, would be fantastic. Kind of go- I think every sporting event, every championship, every league, every tournament is going to have an asterisk next to it in 2020, and I think everyone will know why down the road. It's this is unlike we've ever seen anything we've ever seen. I was at a meeting the other day, we are talking about the Final Four, and it's like, you know, it's not like you can pull out the old handbook and say, how did we handle this the last time? Because there is no last time this has ever happened. So I think all of us are kind of navigating this through together, and yeah, we'll get through it. We just got to keep plugging.
2: Yeah, I was looking the other day at, like, famous games that have been moved for, for an article coming up on, on 24-7 Sports, and basically it's like they moved the Rose Bowl in the early 40s to uh, Durham, North Carolina, actually out of uh, out, out of concern for uh, the Pacific, uh, you know, theater. And uh, and then we had a couple games that, that have been moved due to Hurricane from the beginning, you know, to the season to the end of the season. The famous uh, Edger and James for Miami versus Cade McDowell game. What Hurricane was that? Uh, I forgot. It, it would have been like, what, late 90s, I think? 98, maybe? I think it was early. It was
0: 98, right? Uh, yeah, it might have been 98. Yeah, 98, 98.
2: I, I forget which hurricane it was, but yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what, what happens with that. Sure.
1: Yeah. Well, I had a question for you guys. So, uh, have you ever seen a, a deal what the hell kind of moment here for two coaches from the same school? I mean, you got Leonard saying, what the hell? And then you got Mike Norvell saying, what the hell? <laughs> so, I mean, what, what, if you were Sexton, would you go to FSU and say, I want an extra year right now? Because this first one doesn't count. I mean, it's almost year zero. Could could he have a play to go and say, just give us an automatic extra year? I,
2: I would try it. I don't know if Florida State would, would do it, given that I, I, I'm i not really looking forward to seeing what this is going to do to donations, right? I mean, everybody looks at their 401k, and, and they get that call.
1: And so, well, I mean, we're all judged by our performance, right, at the end of each year, but it's based on mitigating factors a lot of times. So could you not just, and just say, well, then I want the performance... Been a little bit different in this first year than, than regular
2: years, because this is not normal. I, I argued the other day um, on, on my, my national show with, with Barton Simmons. I said, I really believe that this should be considered year zero for all year one coaches out there. I mean, it, because it, you have so little time to implement your, your strategy and, and, change, and flip your culture and and it's so difficult to do in, in that year one. Typically, you don't see a year one coach bump, right? Like, that's not a thing. That, that's the thing in the mind of fans. But for the most part, teams don't generally improve the first year after coaching change. A lot of times, at least pre-early signing period, they would in the year following that coach's first year. But, like, how do you affect change? That Just the sheer variance that you're going to have. I, I talked to college coaches Every day in this job, just because they are all want to know recruiting stuff, and, and we, we we trade notes. And one thing that scares the, the the heck out of them is they don't know what kind of roster they're going to have when the, when their guys show back up in July or August. They they just don't. I mean, some of the guys are going to come back in in phenomenal shape, but a lot of guys don't have access to to weights. A lot like an even greater number don't have access to quality and nutrition. Right, and and think about the rehab guys. Right. And the ability to get transport to the rehab. A lot of these kids back home may not have the ability to get, get transportation. Um, and so I think the, the potential variance of your roster uh, is far greater in this year, given the, the lack of control that these coaches have over their players now compared to the, the normal, uh, sample than it is in any, any real prior year that, that I can remember. Um, and so, yeah, I think they really should treat this. As a year zero, but I, I think as a Noel, you'll, you'll appreciate this. I, w- I was talking to a guy on the staff and, and one of the more veteran guys on the staff. And he was like, man, I am so glad we have Norvell as a head coach here because he is just so damn right. Well, okay. And he wasn't on the prior staff. So it, you can eliminate Odell. Uh, but, but he's like, I, I'm so glad we have Norvell here because he's so, he's just so damn like anal and organized about stuff. That like he's thinking ahead about all these different little obstacles that we have to overcome in this, and, and everybody knows exactly what we have to do. Like we have Zoom calls from morning to night. Um, they're are actually being fairly creative. I know them uh, and Texas A&M are two of the schools that are really hitting the video game scene pretty hard with with the uh, with the recruits. But also, you can play video games with your current players, and if the player re- if the player requests you to play. It's sort of like if the player walks into your office, as opposed to you going to the player. If you catch my drift here, there's certain rules. Correct. Yeah, there's certain rules that uh, you're not allowed to talk to the, talk to your own players for a certain amount of hours. However, if the player talks to you, then you can answer, and you could maybe play a 40 minute game of Madden wearing a headset. And
1: he's playing. He's paying for his own Xbox Live in that case. Right? Correct. So yeah. So you're not. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. I like that. But what that coach is really telling you is perhaps. Thank God it's not the other guy.
2: Oh, Ingram and I were talking about that the other night. I, I, exactly right. This, this could be a, a huge blessing.
1: Well, I appreciate uh, this guys. Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoy your show. And, uh, I look forward every day when I, when I see it come up in the week and, um, great way to, to pass, uh, past time. So thank you for having me on.
0: Oh, uh, we really appreciate it, Dan. I wanted to, wanted to ask you one more question. Uh, we'll, we'll take a walk back in uh, memory lane. Flashback to October of 2013. Florida State was uh, traveling to Clemson. Did you happen to watch game day that morning? Uh, do you remember what I'm referencing by chance? Uh let's see. What did Lee do that day? Uh, uh, he was body slammed by uh, Bill Murray, and I just wonder if you thought if you thought your father was uh, was was wounded on national TV.
1: I think he might have broken a rib, but he didn't want to tell anybody. So. <laughs> You know, it's kind of like playing when he played without the face masks. You know, it's just, you know, it's just kind of a thing you do. You don't tell anybody. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I remember Bill Murray. I thought Bill Murray might have had a stroke that that, that, that moment. He was, I think he went temporarily insane.
0: I think everybody went off script there for a period of time. Quite uh, quite, quite live television playing out in front of all of our eyes. Damn. The
1: beauty of the show. I thought you were going to say that's when he dropped the
0: F-bomb.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. I won't share. Oh. But, uh, I know, all right. so, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> maybe, maybe over a beer. We'll pause ever
0: so briefly to talk about our number one overall pick. That is Madison Social for the Table Restaurant Group. You know, the, the message hasn't wavered here. Just uh, asking you guys to support them any way possible. I'll give you a quick look behind the, the scenes here as far as our analytics. Uh, Atlanta, Orlando, and Tallahassee are pretty much our number one markets depending on what uh, view you look at. And if you're in Tallahassee, we'd love to, you know, see if, uh, if you could utilize some of the takeaway services that they've put into play. Uh, pick up lunch from them, pick up uh, a meal, take it home to the family. Support them any way possible. And if you're in Atlanta, you're in Orlando, uh, look look, and see if there's not uh, a fantastic T-shirt that they have available or anything else in their March department. Or, uh, hey, look, there's a, some pretty good value in gift cards right now. And if it's uh, you know something that you want to buy in, uh, in March or April with the idea of using it in September, it uh, would be ever so appreciated from us and, and ever so a value for the good people at For the Table Restaurant Group. So they've been with us since day one. Uh, we certainly plan on, <laughs> on keeping him with us uh, for as long as we do the NOLCast And any way that you could find to support him is greatly appreciated by Bud and I. All right, Bud, uh, man, fantastic uh, time from Dan. Really appreciate uh, him being able to bring a, a unique perspective. He's been a, a longtime Nullcast listener and really uh, just able to give us a conversation that not many are able to, uh, to give you that type of insight and uh a look at kind of the behind the behind the
2: scenes business Dude, that, that was really exciting i mean i it we're not huge on guests here but but like when we get one i, I feel like it usually goes pretty well and you know if y'all have, have ideas for guests uh, that you want us to have on um certainly we're we're down for it and uh, and i i really like dan because dan, dan is entertaining but he's also like extremely informed that guy knows knows what the hell he's talking about and uh i'm i'm all about it uh We mentioned uh, the Larry Scott piece today. I thought that was kind of interesting coming out. That's almost like telling your wife you're going to be home sometime between 5 p.m. and 4 a.m. Maybe not the most insight gained from that, but uh, it really, I think the one thing I took from that is for a college conference commissioner to say that that's kind of the possibilities. That tells me that they really don't have a clue what's going to happen, and they don't. And also, here's a here's something for you. Like the the preferable thing would be for the NCAA to make a decision on this stuff. But if you have a certain region of the country where the the outbreak's really not that bad, like what's to stop some of those teams from you know playing some more like games against each other from that region, if if possible? Now I, I don't think that'll happen, but just something that kind of Popped in my head here is probably surprising. I mentioned it to you because we did not mention it <laughs> in the pre-show. <laughs> no,
0: I mean, I think I think you got to examine all options, and you know the the Chinese basketball league is basically uh, condensing the league to two hotels. I mean, and basically just having them play almost like a you know like a eighth grade basketball camp type schedule where oh, you they just are? go through a round robin. Yeah, so oh. there's there's leagues that are doing kind of unique stuff when they're trying to trying to get this to work. Um, and I don't know that you would ever, you know, fly the NFL to, <laughs> to, to Kansas city for 10 weeks or something like that. But I, I do think that they're going to have to be unique or, or going to have to be creative with how this goes off. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, obviously, you know, everybody's going to, or at least hopefully listen to the, the health experts and, and, um, be mindful of this, but you're going to have to get this, college football season. And uh, Dan brought up a great point in the, uh, you know, kind of the dilutement of the TV money payout with the NCAA tournament, losing that. Uh, We talked about some of the really kind of horrific internal, internal modeling that Florida state had last year, pre uh, letting Willie go. Um, College football is not just like the lifeblood of college athletics when it comes to financing it's uh, it's almost the whole damn thing, and the other thing that <laughs> that college football wasn't made up it was the NCAA tournament that was just canceled. So um, you're look. I'm not trying to spread you know fear porn and stuff. And we're talking about college athletics, so um, obviously we're all going to put that through a certain filter. And, and not the most important thing right now, but a college athletics w- without a college football season and without college football revenue is. Um, is a is a is a world in which a lot of people have to have a lot of uncomfortable conversations about, uh, in my opinion, certain sports being able to be funded.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt. It, it would not shock me eventually to see uh, maybe some type of rollback to to some of the the regulations that require you to carry some of these sports relative to the, the size of football. Um, in fact, I, I, I'm in favor of having a Title Nine rewrite where. You don't have to count football in as far as the scholarships, and I think that would actually help athletic departments a ton. Football is almost its own entity, you know. You know whose uh, opinion that was from day one, actually. Bobby Bowden.
0: Bobby Bowden. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I, I just, I don't think you can. There's just too many scholarships uh, allocated to to men, and maybe there's a, an ability to kind of try to make that uh, balance, but kind of getting everybody else equal after giving eighty-five on the college football side of things is an equation that uh, is a tough one. So uh, we'll see if there's any kind of Title IX adjustments or um, how that works out. Complicated and an awful lot of red tape when you start
2: to talk about Title IX changes. Did you happen to see uh, today the uh, top five released by offensive tackle Micah Morris and and what he had to say uh, about, uh, about Florida State's coaching staff? Hey,
0: I think um, again we don't want to get over our skis here, but I think we can be pretty damn confident we've got something when it comes to an offensive line recruiter. Uh, and and Bud and I are going to run around and you know slap proverbial hands because because uh, Florida State's getting in kids top five type sixes in uh, in March, but that's a that's a nice evidence attraction and that's a that's a good look for for a coach who has an awful lot to sell when it comes to playing time.
2: Yeah, uh, Morris credited Coach Alex Atkins for. Uh, for, for his work in terms of recruiting him and, and he he's bought into thinking that coach atkins is pretty special. At this point, would I pick Florida State over Georgia? Um no, I I really I can't honestly make that pick at at this point. And clearly I think Florida State would like to have a little more time uh to recruit Micah Morris uh to to show what they can do some on the field or perhaps to show just just how true that need is uh for, for offensive tackles on the field. But Look, Coach Atkins has done a tremendous job forming this relationship with him and, and with other, with other players. Like we we, we heard about, uh, you know, J C Latham saying, "Hey, like one school that's not in my my top group that I actually really do like is uh, is Florida State because of Coach Atkins." Now, Florida State's not going to sign J C Latham. J C Latham's going to commit to Ohio State uh, pretty soon, I believe, o- over LSU. Um, now he'll probably take a visit to Florida State later on this year if, if visits, uh, you know, in, end up becoming a thing. <laughs> Uh, which at this point, you know, we, we don't necessarily know uh, that that they will be. Uh, but, but Coach Atkins seems to be doing a really good job out there with these guys. And I'm, I've been impressed so far with with what recruits have to say about him. Um, also, uh, look, it is impressive. The other names on this list for Morris, Florida, Georgia, Bama. Okay, if, if you're punching with those guys and you're not just kind of thrown in as a token school to round out a five, and I, I believe Florida State is punching with them, um, that's pretty impressive, man. Like that, that's a really good sign there for Florida State fans. The offensive line rebuild will not take place overnight. It is a long-term rebuild, as we've been saying now for about 18 months, ever since we 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 saw what they had there in it, that spring practice. Uh, you know, beyond beyond the uh, quote unquote starters, but th- that's a pretty good sign for them, right there. They also appear to be in pretty good shape uh, for Destin Pazin, the, the receiver out of Louisiana, always interested to see kind of what will happen if, uh, if LSU ends up pushing hard for that kid. I I had a discussion today with Barton Simmons who who said like, Hey, there's a chance that, uh, that these schools end up focusing more on in-state recruiting because travel restrictions might still be in place, uh, deep into the fall. Um, or at least, you know, families not, not willing to travel quite as much. And if that's the case, then, you know, clearly they're going to need to, uh, to focus more on in-state stuff. So we'll see what happens there with, with the receiver Dustin Payson and LSU's pursuit of him. But Florida State does seem to have a pretty cohesive plan as to what to do as far as recruiting during this coronavirus period. Um, and like it seems to be working. Now, other schools are, are doing similar things. I'm not going to say what Florida State is doing is is revolutionary by any stretch, but, uh, but still, it, it does appear to be resonating. I also think that we should note here uh, their graphics overall look look, look better of late, and uh, we we saw some graphic changes that were for the better under Taggart's regime. But we also saw some major steps back, like um, you know, putting uh receiver gloves on on a, a civil rights leader—probably not the best idea. And uh, overall, these graphics look look really sharp. The kids seem to like them a whole lot, and that's that's good, right? Like it doesn't matter if if two guys who are thirty-five years old uh like them, and you and me, but. If the kids like them, that's that's what matters.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a uh, well said. I, I thought the the postcard uh, line that they've done the past week or so uh, has been a nice, you know, it's just a nice, simple thing, but it's an easy thing that uh, that is appealing, and you know, kids seem to seem to appreciate it, and just a nice, consistent level of positive representation of the university that employs you. Imagine that from a social media department. Imagine that. So. Um yeah man uh you know it's just a it's just a unique crazy time, and uh we're gonna try to do our best to both bring you current information as far as where Florida State stands on the recruiting trail, how they're trying to deal with some of the limitations uh that you know everybody's f- being forced to kind of live under and and operate with right now, and at the same time uh try to bring you informative guests that can uh you know give you an opportunity to listen to things that aren't necessarily virus related from time to time so. Certainly appreciate all the support that we've received recently, Bud. Uh, Continue to do strong numbers. And uh, thank you to our sponsors and thank you to the listeners. And we'll continue to bring you content like uh, that of which we've done over the past 48 hours. This has been the Knollcast. The Knollcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knoll.